welcome listeners to Season 4, Episode 4 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Shar. And I'm Kelly. And this week, we want to remind you to donate to Wava Rape Crisis Center so that you can support survivors of sexualized violence and unlock cool new features for our live episode taking place at the end of March. $35 provides an hour of support with their 24-7 crisis line that assists survivors from all over the world. You can find the donation link in our show notes. This week, we're revisiting a movie for the first time. W- w- r- r- rewind. <laughs> Midsommar from 2019. But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we made this drink to be bright but unnerving. This episode will contain discussion on suicide, misogyny, sexism, sexual assault, and animal death. If any of these things are things that you need to not hear today, that's totally fine with us. Feel free to skip this episode. We'll see you next time. So I made the drink this episode. Yes. And as you gathered the ingredients, I jumped up and down in the kitchen <laughs> because it's a char drink. It's a, a partial char drink. It's not as <laughs> sour and uh, berating of the senses as other char drinks are. <laughs> but very fruity. Yeah. I call this one Samar Bonfire. I was going to just do a screwdriver with mm-hmm. creme de cassis and that was going to be the drink that Christian is is served. Yep. But uh I thought that was a little bit um uh lacking. Okay. I didn't want to do two episodes in a row where we kind of phoned it in a little bit. <laughs> so I instead phoned it out. Uh what's the opposite of phoned it in? Uh you figured it out yourself. Like, like <laughs> Vocabularily speaking, what is the exact opposite of phoning it in? I don't. Texting it out. It I out? decided to text it out. All right. Uh, so this is a uh, complex uh, drink with different flavors that uh, I think, I hope, make something good. It is deceptively sweet from what I thought it would be because orange juice is like one of the main ingredients in here. Uh, if you want the full recipe, by the way, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash drink and scream. But this is very, very good. Uh, it's really refreshing. Easy to drink for sure. Mm-hmm. How dangerous is this? <laughs> um, It's not too bad. We're using a sponsored liquor, Mad Labs <gasps> Premium Vodka. Premium Vodka? That prem- or sorry, pre- Premium Vodka. Ooh. Um, uh, vodka spelt with two Vs. Because it's... Norwegian? I yeah, don't know, Swedish. Anyways. Um, <laughs> so, like, that's the strongest liquor in this. Okay. I. It's hard to explain what I was trying to go for. It's almost like uh sun like sunny happy like bright feelings but almost that like oppressive rose smell that comes when you go over to your grandmother's place <laughs> which is like that potpourri yeah that kind of like um like something's kind of off and it's not exactly comfort zone kind of feeling yeah which I think expresses the feeling of this movie pretty well. And it just looks so inviting. Yeah. Which I think works very well for this film because the aesthetic of Midsommar and their festivities that they're having in this film is so, so happy and inviting. Yeah. Just like this drink. The color almost looks like the mushroom tea rather than the the menstrual orange juice. Yep. Or they're drinking, they drink a lot of beer as well. It's kind of the same color as that. With the egg white layer, which to me, the first time I ever had an egg white drink, I was like, this is fancy. Yeah. (laughs) I was grossed out because I was like salmonella, but turns out that's not really going to happen. That's more from the eggshell than the uh, actual contents of the egg. You learn something new every day. Also, most store-bought eggs are incredibly sanitized. Yay! So the only real risk you run is like if there's an outbreak of uh, salmonella or you buy it from a local (laughs) farm and don't wash it properly. So this week we watched Midsommar, which premiered on July 3rd, 2019. It's written and directed by Ari Aster, and it stars Florence Pugh as grieving young woman Danny, Jack Rayner as asshole sociopath boyfriend Christian, Wilhelm Bolgren, I'm very sorry, as <laughs> Swedish friend Pele, William Jackson Harper as bookworm friend Josh, and Will Poulter as foolish friend Mark. This synopsis was directly ripped off of IMDb (laughs) by user Nick Reganis. Thank you, Nick. 
Traumatized and still struggling to come to terms with an appalling family tragedy, Danny, an American graduate student, turns to Christian, her self-centered and distant boyfriend, that's putting it mildly, against the backdrop of their inevitable breakup. In high hopes of repairing their disintegrating relationship, Danny tags along with two of Christian's companions and their cryptic friend Pele to attend a once-every-90-years summer solstice festival at an isolated pagan commune nestled in the heart of the Swedish province of Halsingland. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> at last, for the first time in a long while, Danny feels happy. However, in this friendly and verdant haven of peace, harmony, and constant sunshine, the welcoming community's peculiar traditions start to blemish the folkloric utopia as the uncomfortable feeling of uneasiness starts to creep up on Pele's guests. But in the eyes of the uninitiated newcomers, the naturalistic rituals seem brutal. Could a numbing truth be hiding in plain sight? So one by one, outsiders begin disappearing after they announce their upset with the rituals, which included suicide and incest. Of course, just being driven home or lost. But we discover at the end of the film that all disagreeing outsiders were used as puppets in the various rituals. Danny gets declared May Queen of the festival and is accepted by this new group of people, while her boyfriend Christian is bewitched and drugged before participating in a fertility ritual against against his will. Danny discovers Christian in bed with another woman and multiple naked women around them, and she runs away to collectively process her grief with the other women of the community. For the final ritual, as May Queen, Danny is given the option of sacrificing her awful boyfriend Christian or another community member volunteer. She chooses Christian, who is enveloped in a bear suit and brought into the hut with all the other outsider corpses. The hut is lit on fire and we see Danny finally able to smile. Do you want to sacrifice that trailer audio to me? I'll let it burn, bitch! <laughs> you can't speak. You can't move. But this opens you up influence and it breaks down your defenses trust me right you're gonna love it that's, really, that's going to be a really hard sound to pick up over audio. There you go. That's a bit better. Um, this was the teaser, which is, I've been struggling to find the teasers lately. And I feel like those are better for us to watch than like actual three minute long trailers. And this was a good one. Yeah, it was. It was very um, oppressive, I guess is the word. Does that make sense? Like the, the feeling of being like. It, over and engulfed by whatever weird thing is happening. Yeah, and the xylophone music. I don't know if it was a xylophone instrument, but a very like ting, 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 yeah. ting sound. And it, like the building tension of the whole situation yeah, was very good. Yeah, very omnipresent. And they cut a lot of the dialogue into one sort of what sounded like a monologue very well. Yes. Because it was like dialogue from all over the movie, but it kind of fit into one overarching thing. And it did a really good job of being like, yo, this is a movie about a group of teens going or young adults going to this weird ass festival and then they get freaked out. <laughs> and something happens. Um, and yeah, that's it was all you need good. to know. You and know? it ended with um, Danny looking through the peephole, but it played the audio of Danny and the other girls screaming, not yeah. the audio of the sex. Which was good. Yeah. Oh, man, Because I feel like good. the censors wouldn't have been okay with the teaser having... <laughs> Five, eight <laughs> orgasming women. Yeah. Yeah. So should I jump in? Yes, go ahead. All right. And I do want to reiterate for those of you who maybe this is your first Midsommar episode of ours that you've listened to. This is our, we're rewatching it. We're redoing an episode on it. We're revisiting because we did this in our first season and we grew as a show a lot since then. 
Um, so you can listen to all of our removed episodes from our first season still on Patreon, but for free. And we just want this is such a good movie that we couldn't take it down and not not do it again. Yeah. So we're just we're redoing it. And so my you hear first, that past Shar and Kelly, you suck. You're dumb dumb. And we're better than you in every way. So. Where are your queer and feminist hot takes? I need them now. Suck it, losers. <laughs> <laughs> so All right, gonna, future Char, go ahead. Yeah, that's me, future Char. I'm going to jump right in and say that this movie is so fucking great. And I'm not burying the lead here at all. <laughs> but I think that even like watching it for a second time has made it better. It's better on the second viewing because the first time I found myself being more focused on the horror elements and that air, like we said in the trailer of true unease being Mm -hmm. like omnipresent. But the second time around, you can really focus on Danny's journey and her transformation as a woman. She becomes this May queen, slay queen (laughs) who stands up for herself and who she's found her place where she belongs with these people and I think that it's really beautiful. And the whole film is Danny's struggle to finally come to terms with her grief and to finally be able to stand up for herself. And it's really nice to see and to not be distracted by, you know, the people falling from the sky and, and getting their heads oh, bashed I thought, in. I thought you were going to say distracted by the people in the theater who were leaving and laughing. Ah, uh, yeah, that's I forgot about the laughing. Yeah. We remembered that like 10 minutes into this movie when it showed the sister with the tube in her mouth, like a couple just got we up and We should maybe left. describe that a bit because I kind of glossed over that. And oh, then, yeah. So her family. Um, all dies. Yeah. Her sister was bipolar and was seeking help and stuff for from Danny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then she got a cryptic email from her sister. And then it turned out that she built an elaborate tube system from the car exhaust into her parents' room and her mouth. Um, yeah. Which you see very slowly revealed as it like pans through the entire house. But, as the fire department is there. But um, yeah, as soon as it showed that a couple got up and left and then throughout the entire movie, just in like random spots, people would laugh. I don't know if it was like uncomfortable laughter or something. Yeah, I, I have a fact, weirdly enough, about that. Oh, but hold on to it to the end. In the scaredy face. Yes. We didn't even have scaredy facts when we did this movie the first time. We were but we babes had, in the woods. Yeah, we had little trivia. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, it's really cool. And like speaking about her grief too, the whole film is layered with moments of her thinking that she's seeing her sister or her mm-hmm. parents. Uh, so it uh, it's very obvious that this this is her grief journey and how she's dealing with it. It's always like throughout the movie as well. She's always seeing them in like their most horrible moments and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like she's always seeing her, her sister with the tube in her mouth. But then when she's accepted as the May Queen and like brought into the community, she sees them happy and dressed and a hallucination of them walking past her. Yeah, which Uh, is nice. So it's like she's now seeing, which I kind of saw as like she's seeing the community as her family now. Yeah. So she's seeing her family in the community. Yes, for sure. I agree. My next point, I wanted to talk about how Danny decides to burn Christian in the hut because this is a huge change point for her because Christian has treated her like trash for so long. The IMDb synopsis really did not do it justice. (laughs) He tells her to not worry about her bipolar sister who's just doing it for attention. He forgets her fucking birthday and then gaslights her into thinking that he didn't. Yeah. Even though Pele had to tell him, yo, it's her birthday today. He also like emotionally and psychologically manipulates her even before they get to Sweden. Every fucking step of the way. He forgets their anniversary. He pressures her to do drugs. So like, what's the word though? Like subtly, like it's so it's like microaggression-y of like, I'll wait for you to do drugs. And he turns to everybody else. Are you going to wait for us? Yeah, we're going to, I'm going to wait for Danny. Are you guys going to wait, too? Because I have to wait for Danny. Or even when he told the group, like, I've invited Danny, but she's not coming. She said she's going to come, but she's not. He doesn't want her to go and is speaking for her and not actually like he's hoping that she doesn't go, even though 
apparently she said she is going, so. And then she does because he fucking invited her. Yeah, he's a big old douchebag. <sighs> and you can tell from the like the opening scene where she's calling him because she's worried about her sister and all, how all of like Mark and Josh and Pele react to her calling. Like, oh my God, like she's so annoying. Find yeah. somebody who likes sex. Go sleep blah, with blah, that blah. waitress right now. I think it's like, go make her pregnant is what they say. Well, they also say, funnily enough, they're like, Think of all the Swedish women you can impregnate in June, which was a foreshadow. Ah. Spoiler alert, the trivia page of IMDb is literally just, did you notice this foreshadowing? <laughs> Blink and you'll miss it. Blink and you'll miss it. There were pubes in the cocktail. But yeah, he's a... Not he's, this one. <laughs> he's a total dude. Well, you don't know. It's optional. Depends how you guys feel. But uh, yeah, he was a total douchebag. Yeah. So I, speaking about the decision of who to sacrifice at the end, I was super happy that she decided that he would be burned. But, and this is where I want to say again that there's going to be a trigger warning here for sexual assault because I'm going to go a bit into it here. I do feel bad, especially after the second watch through, that Christian was very clearly drugged for that fertility ritual. Oh, yeah. And I feel like the film sort of pinpoints that as the reason that Danny burns him. But I actually feel like that wasn't his fault at all. And that was his own kind of horror that happened to him because he was drugged with two separate doses of some sort of... I keep saying drugs. I don't know what I'm not a person that does the a first, lot of drugs. The first one was like uh, the mushrooms that make you was it like opens you up to new experiences. I think the lady says. Yeah, to Danny. it lowers your inhibitions. And then there was the smoke that's supposed to up his fertility. Yeah. And his vitality. Yeah. So and that's like a real thing that happens to a lot of people. Uh, and I just went on womanshealth.gov to get some actual factual information because I don't know too much about this. But it's very similar to when people get roofied. So drugs such as rohypnol, GHB, GBL and ketamine are very powerful. These are date rape drugs. They can affect you very quickly and you might not know that something is wrong. So rohypnol can make you feel dizzy, have problems talking or slurred speech, have trouble moving or controlling your muscles, feel nauseous or vomit, have a very slow or very fast heartbeat. You can feel sleepy, confused, have trouble breathing or even pass out. And a lot of that happens to Christian before the fertility ritual, because after he drinks that like weird tea thing, he doesn't speak again. No, you can see that he's like really not having a good time. He's so out of it. He uh, even like warns the girl that he doesn't want to have a bad trip. And she's like, no, you won't trust me. And then obviously he does. Yeah. And then... Uh, GHB is used recreationally sometimes and in the case of date rape to stimulate euphoria, to increase sociability, to promote libido. It lowers your inhibitions and increases sex drive. So these two types of drugs in the real world get combined so that you don't remember what's happening to you. You can't put up a fight, but also you're going to have be a good time. I say with massive air quotes. Um, And that was really well portrayed actually in this film. And it was just super fucked up. And I feel like, I mean, it was interesting to see and to have Danny see that horror. I mean, she's just seeing him cheat on her. Yeah. She doesn't know. It was Uh, very manipulative of the um, community as well. Like she's manipulated by them to see the worst in him. Yeah. He did want to cheat on her the entire time, but they like forced him to and then she saw it yeah um so it was like they were they've been they were leading her a lot throughout the entire movie into what decision they wanted her to make um and this was kind of just like the cap uh on that and it was weird because they didn't want her to see it but they still let her assumingly make her own choice of going up and seeing it like they didn't actually stop her yeah they just said i don't think that's not for us like you i don't think you want to see what's over there and then obviously she goes to look that's uh that's like telling someone don't think of an elephant yeah (laughs) um but yeah and then they're like do you want to sacrifice this guy who's tormented you your whole life and just cheated on you or i don't know uh scott yeah how about him (laughs) But at the same time, Danny from the beginning of this film wouldn't have chosen Christian. I think that she was in a she went through this full transformation journey being in this community, in this con. I want to say convent, but it's not a convent at all. Um, And that was so cool. Yeah, she was very like forced into being codependent in the beginning. So, yeah, probably not. If she was just sat down on a chair and been like, hey, you want to kill your boyfriend? We'll do it. It's fine. (laughs) 
Like, no. And he loves I, me. I do want to say that she is not a wet blanket from the get go. She is manipulated expertly by Christian to always give in and do what she want. He wants. Um, there's a moment where she's surprised by news about the Sweden trip. And he basically like said he in passing was like, yeah, that would be cool to do that. But then at a party in front of like 30 people, they're talking about how they're going in two weeks. And she's like, what? Yeah, and then you, they get home and she's like, why did you do that? And then he makes her apologize. Yeah. I feel like you're ah. getting really upset at me right now. I'm going to go. I should just leave. Yeah. yeah. Ah, it makes me so mad. The worst. <laughs> so uh, he became a bear and got burned alive. <laughs> um, I'll slide this in here since it's uh, it's technically a scaredy fact, but I think it really fits in with the conversation. But apparently... Okay. Um, Ari Aster based this relationship off of one of his own. Um, when he was writing the movie, he had just gotten out of like a very toxic relationship. Uh, and so he was writing from the perspective of Danny basically and, and like wow. identified more with her, yeah. uh, which is why it's so fucking brutally real. And is so, yeah. cause it's, he was doing it like immediately after the breakup. So it's like just somehow he perfectly wrote down an exposed nerve that was constantly being flicked. Yeah. Because and that really flows well into my last point of that the writing in this show was great, but really my last point is that Florence Pugh is a godsend. <laughs> I mean, all the actors were great. The writing was great. I was never pulled out of the story at all, even with the amount of like wild rituals that were happening and like customs that I was totally not used to. But damn, Florence carries this <laughs> film as Danny so much. She's so relatable with that issue that she's going through with this really awful relationship. And she's not afraid to be completely vulnerable and in the moment when she finds out what happens to her family in the opening scene. First, we just hear her on the phone while the camera is on Christian. And it's this guttural yeah. screaming that I uh, I have not experienced that level of loss. We need a new oh, God. We need a new phrase other than scream queens for like cry queens. Yeah, because I feel like there's there's like there's a real talent behind crying such a specific way that you know exactly how the person is feeling. Yeah, that agony. Yeah, the like full body cry where your yeah. whole body you're like you're like bellows, just your whole body is pushing out cries. Yeah, and it's amazingly done. You can feel her pain with her and that's exactly what happens at the end of the film when she witnesses Christian betting that red haired woman all of the women of this community area just go through her pain with her they literally are like on the floor screaming with her and crying and they help her process that and I think that that's really cool because yeah. that's what we were doing at the beginning of the movie too it's good that she can see that for what it was because if a bunch of people did that like staring at me and started crying the same way I was I would feel mocked a little bit mm. like they were like when you when a baby's crying and then you imitate it and you're like, wow, this is you. <laughs> I think it's nice. Like she's for the first time being taken care of at all. Yeah. And, and you do. Yeah. You see the separation in the beginning when she's crying of Christian just kind of like staring off into the distance. Uh, kind of like reluctantly coddling her. Yeah. But yeah, these all these women are like, we're going to go through exactly what you're going through, too. Yes. That's I, me. That's good. All right, it's time for Whispers from Beyond. This is when we like to shout out our fabulous listeners who give us reviews on Apple Podcasts, who tweet at us, or who become patrons. Like today, we have two patron shout outs this week. Pew, pew, pew. Thank you so, 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 so much to Olsbear and Curtis R for becoming patrons. Drinking and Screaming would not be where it is today without your support. And we really, truly appreciate it, especially because this means that we are so close. If you could see me right now, my fingers are so close together. They're almost touching. Whoa! To our Patreon goal that would allow us to do a monthly watch-along episode with all of you. So if you've been on the fence, now is the perfect time to become a patron because we've made discounts to all the tiers this season. And don't forget that if we do unlock these live watch parties, they will be accessible to everybody. Whoa. Everyone will be able to watch along. Unlike... Uh, Hells England and <laughs> but, Midsommar. But yeah, thanks so much, Olsbear and Curtis R. You folks rock.
we're going to take a moment to talk about our socials and sponsors. This season of Drinking and Screaming is sponsored by American Nightmare Candle Company. Bring the horror into your home with a handmade soy wax candle from American Nightmare Candle Company. The scents are inspired by locations iconic to the horror genre. Places like the Overlook Hotel, Sleepy Hollow, and Elm Street. Each fragrance combination is carefully curated to transport you into the story, and the catalog is ever-evolving. Available for purchase at Etsy.com slash Nightmare Candle Co. This episode of Drinking and Screaming is sponsored by Great Night In. You're being followed. The power goes out. Ha! Phone's dead and the car won't start. Final girl, I got bingo. If you're having a great night in, you must be playing horror movie bingo from the Etsy shop, Great Night In. See what we did there? <laughs> the instant download has the best and worst horror movie tropes over 16 unique bingo boards. Print or play it on your phone. Their host guide even helps you turn it into a drinking game. Perfect for drinking and screaming. Use code DRINKSCREAM for 20% off your order and follow them on Instagram at Great Night In Party Games. Today's episode is sponsored by Mad Labs Premium Vodka, which we use to make this very midsummer drink. Uh, they have been with us since the beginning, and there's absolutely no way that we would have been able to make so many variations of drinks if it wasn't for Mad Labs. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Mad Labs. We highly recommend their liquors, and this is no longer the ad anymore. This is Kelly. Hey, come over, come on over and chat about this liquor. <laughs> you can buy their stuff. They ship everywhere uh, at madlabdistilling.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream, on Facebook at drink and scream, and you can email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. For more information and to buy some merch, go to drinkingandscreaming.com. And before we get back to the episode, I just want to remind everyone that in our show description, you can find the donation link for Wava Rape Crisis Center, support survivors of sexualized violence, and get some little extra goodies in our live episode at the end of March. We're doing Evil Dead. Unlock some scaredy facts, some buddy cameos and definitely there will be some carfax but only if we get to two hundred dollars now take some mushrooms and trip on back into the episode do you have some thoughts i do i have a couple just a couple just a couple because i got some scaredy facts and i knew that your section would be a lot of discussion uh so my first one is much like the first time i watched it i didn't actually really find this movie scary Mm. um i definitely say that it's like unsettling especially yeah the first time that we watched it it's got that feeling of like oh my god what's gonna happen next like how can it get worse than what we just saw now yeah um i would say i was i think i was more scared of this film than you were yeah the it's very haunting and like the reveal of what's happened to everyone too like when uh christian finds i don't know the character's name but the blood eagle yes yeah do you have stuff about that um, no, not really. But I like that we watched this with my mom um, and they're watching Vikings right now. And when that scene came up, she's like, hey, that's like what the Vikings do. And it's called a blood eagle. It's mm-hmm. when you rip out, you like detach the spine from the rib cage Ugh. and then pull the lungs out through the holes and like string it up like they're an eagle. And his lungs were still breathing. Which is funny because someone pointed out that there's no way he would have been alive or been able to breathe because the lungs weren't being pushed by the diaphragm at all. Oh. So people are saying that it was Christian still hallucinating from the drugs. Oh, uh, okay. That he's seeing the breathing. Because when he like leans in underneath his face, like it's not really animated or anything. No. But uh, I like that point. I like the idea that because while huh. they're on the drugs, a lot of things are breathing, like yes. all the flowers are breathing and stuff like Which that. Which was super well done. I mean, I've never done drugs, but it seemed like what it would look like if we you did been, drugs. We have been told that it is similar. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I like the idea that he was still kind of tripping. So even that the entire movie is displayed in such a way that like every event feels cultural like as fucked up as they are like for me it felt like i was just watching a documentary about another culture yeah even if none of it is like i know some of them are true and i know a lot of it is fictionalized but the way that it's presented feels so open and like it's not sterile but like this is a daily life that i didn't find it scary because every time something happened they explained why that was happening and i'm like yeah that makes sense and it helped that um chidi 
What's that character's yes, name? No, it's cheating. <laughs> Josh? Yes, Josh. Uh, it helped that Josh already was sort of familiar slightly with some of the things that would be happening, yeah. too. So, yeah, I agree with you. It wasn't like all one side mystery. And like the way that Pele um, introduced it was like something you're going to find a lot of this weird, but it's fine. Don't worry about it, Danny. Everything's going to be cool. Uh, so, yeah, as a viewer, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't too hard to take everything that they were saying at face value and just sort of like accept the rituals as normal. Uh, yeah, but then we get to the blood eagle. <laughs> well, like normal thing for them. But even that, it's like. The only they wanted to leave. Yeah. Yeah. The only shitty thing is that they're being done to people who didn't agree to do it. Yeah. But like so the at uh, at Atetsupa. Sure. The um, uh, suicide. The two uh, elderly people. elderly people. Yeah. I would rank that scene up there with the car scene from Hereditary in terms mm. of like shocking visually but that scene had so much lead up an explanation as to like what this event was that it didn't it wasn't scary to me because they justified it so well yeah um and how they viewed it so like every step of the way in the movie even though i was anticipating what the next thing was going to be i was I felt safe that they were going to explain it enough that it made sense to me. That's so interesting, because for me, the second time around, yes. But the first time I couldn't even process the little hints that were coming. Mm. It's still I couldn't even I was like, they're going to jump, but they wouldn't do that. <laughs> like, I was so shocked. Uh, and that's what was scary. That was like the start of it being scary. Yeah. But the second time around, I totally agree with you. It's all there. You just need to be in the right headspace to process the information. Yeah. they. they I felt so guided and supported by the community. <laughs> so it didn't feel like, and again, like it was unnerving is the word I would, or unsettling that I would use. But never was I like, oh God, I'm so scared. I can't, I can't watch this movie mm -hmm. or anything. Yeah, that's true. I wouldn't say it's like super terrifying. Mm -hmm. It was very unsettling. It was graphic to say the least. And then they, the head keeps popping up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mentioned this before we started recording and it'll sort of come in a little bit with the scaredy facts. But this movie was originally like 30 minutes longer. Yes. Um, and had a bunch of scenes that had to be cut because they originally got an NC-17 rating and they wanted to get an R rating so that it could be viewed by more people. Yeah. So I really want to know. I'm probably gonna have to wait a little bit before I'm willing to watch this movie again, but 30 minutes longer. Yeah. But I am it is curious. a long film. It's like two and a half hours right now, the version that we saw. Yeah. I wonder if we could just find the cut scenes on like YouTube or something. Probably. But uh, yeah, there's a few things in there that we didn't see from the movie. Yeah. Yeah. My second and final point is that there are so many iconic shots in this movie. Yes, I'm glad that you're going to talk about this. I feel like Ari Aster and his team do such a good job of just making like very visually stunning and iconic shots that almost had a, have a sense of like classic feeling to them because there's like almost entirely practical effects and practical shots that are done through like lighting and blocking and and just like cinematography in general yeah to make a shot feel like it's immediately a classic shot and i would put of so many of the especially danny shots uh, up there with like Jack Torrance coming through the broken door or uh, Maria Von Trapp standing in the field and the exorcist getting out of the cab. Yeah. Um, well, like there's typically the like final moment of her sitting in the in the like gown of flowers as the May Queen. Oh, yeah. That one's pretty good. Notably that I wrote down was oh. uh, Danny actually crying and walking after seeing the uh, Ted Supa. Yep. Um, is such like a really good vulnerable shot uh that really like focuses on her emotions and is so like sticks in your mind her freaking out in her may queen gown as the fire is like burning behind her mm -hmm. uh it's one of those like really nice shots that it just doesn't it just shows you everything and lets you sit there and watch the scene uh which i really enjoy it's very like wes anderson kind of oh. except much less um uh, hipstery, <laughs> which is my jam. And all the like the scene with like all the women yelling together of like oh, Danny yeah. just like screaming her head off. And is, I'm like holding her. Yeah, that's, yeah a, that's a good moment. Iconic. And obviously the very like you said, the very last shot of her like smiling in the May, May dress. Yeah. 
Uh, and like kind of bouncing off of this idea, the specific moment of her walking through her bathroom door. Oh, yeah. Is so cool. They do a lot of like panning or what's it called like revolving shots they do of while they're on the road to driving to the community they do like a following the highway turns over and you follow the trees yeah but then when she's in that bathroom shot is so good so cool she walks through her bathroom and then she's in the plain bathroom closing the door and it's ah so good the uh yeah all of the like quote-unquote establishing shots of getting to Helsingland is like disorienting as fuck yeah um like there's they a lot do, of swiveling yeah they kind of combine what they do in like the opening of uh the shining where it's like a lot of open road in forest yep. is supposed to like establish isolation and yes. stuff but then they mix it with like disorienting camera movements that make you have no fucking clue what direction you're going in yes Agreed. And my favorite thing in the very early parts of the movie, there's so many like hashtag brave uses of mirrors. <laughs> and I say brave because a lot of like uh, there's a lot of good uses of, of mirrors in movies where it's like they'll establish disconnect between people, but then it'll cut to a regular shot. But there are moments where they will stick with the shot of like the entire conversation being done through mirrors mm-hmm. um like when they have the fight after the party of, oh, so good of her uh talking about how he's going to sweden the entire thing is done with christian being framed in a mirror to show like the disconnect but we're all obviously on danny's side yeah uh but then it moves them together as she's kind of like giving, giving up in. yeah yeah and then and apologizing for what is totally not something she needs to apologize for. Yeah. And they just keep getting closer and closer together as she's basically like giving in to his weird douchebagginess. Yeah. Um, and then the scene where he um, he's like studying with all the guys and then he's like, oh, by the way, I invited her. Don't she you're excited. Remember, the entire shot is just of them on the couch. And there's a mirror above the couch that you see, like not only Christian telling them that making a disconnect between him and the group. But then the moment Danny comes in, like you don't even see her walk through the door in her own shot. It's all done through the mirror mm. um, and her talking to the group. It's like so isolated because she's not even in the scene, basically. Yeah. Until yeah. Pele starts talking to her and, and is like, hey, come here, let's in. chat. Like, Yeah, it's like you can every time that she becomes more connected with somebody in the scene, she's allowed to leave the mirror dimension. Yeah. Um, or Christian leaving the mirror dimension. I feel like the Ari Aster and I should know the cinematographer's name at this point. I apologize. But I feel like the, that whole team does such a good job making you sit in an uncomfortable moment longer than you really want to, but giving you like a visually pleasing thing to look at while living in this uncomfortable moment. Yeah. The Uh, cinematographer for Hereditary and Midsommar is Powell Pogorzelski. I think I brought that up when we watched Hereditary, but like there's a good scene in Hereditary is when the mom walks into the doorframe and another cry queen Yes. When uh, after the it's beheading. just people being good fucking actors yeah. and committing to the moment of vulnerability. Ugly crying is my favorite thing in movies yes. because it's it's not pretty to look at and Hollywood doesn't want to show it. But feel, uh, seeing somebody ugly cry weight has so much weight behind it versus like little tears dropping down or like. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's my last point. But let me let me open up this cylinder canister oh there's a movie reel inside it's time for the real deal i'm not putting an effort into that all right it will be the least (laughs) amount of effort i do into any intro (laughs) so this is the segment when we watch a movie with my mom she will write her own little review because she says we lie we lie apparently we say movies aren't scary and that's the real deal for nightmare on elm street (laughs) this is the real deal for midsummer (laughs) I mean, I can read the Nightmare on Elm Street one again if you want. All right. My mom says about Midsummer. I have never tried LCD. Really, mom? LSD. Nope, but it says LCD. All right. <laughs> I have never uh, tried LCD. I'm more plasma, uh, but feel I came pretty close to feeling its effects during my screening of Midsummer. What I liked, although it wasn't scary, uh, it was disturbing, raw, and uncomfortable. What I didn't like, heads being smashed in and then zooming in on the heads and that had been smashed in 
what I liked, oh, it's going back and forth. What I liked, how they uh, not only explored mental health issues, but nailed the effects of them. As someone who suffers from PTSD and anxiety, I could really relate to the struggles the main character was experiencing. What I didn't like, the lack of heads being smashed in. What? You knew people were dying. They just weren't showing you the gory details. Oh, like the Ah. other people, right? Uh, I give Midsommar two thumbs in the neutral position. Now, come on, Shar and Kelly, make me watch something that will scare the shit out of me. Do you want to watch Hereditary again? (laughs) Two thumbs in the neutral position? You say I lie. Bitch, you lie. (laughs) (laughs) This movie's great. You're not allowed to shit on it. This is my show. Well, that's been the real deal. <laughs> a segment where my where Shar calls my mom a bitch. Got it. <laughs> I don't mean it, but She's come been, on. Shar's been watching too much RuPaul's lately. <laughs> we have over a hundred of these books that we have written our various runes into, but none is more important than this one over here. It is bound with the flesh of the people that we have sacrificed here in Helsingland. That was pretty good. I like that. that it's time good. to open the wreck. And then get your head smashed in because you're not allowed to see it. My recommendation (laughs) is The Wicker Man from 2006, not the original one. (laughs) I mean, it's just another lighthearted movie about an alleged cult that's Mm. actually just misunderstood cultural group. Of course. It also features Nick Cage in a bear suit. So go watch The Wicker Man from 2006 right now. <laughs> My recommendation is Mother! Exclamation point from 2017. It's another very interesting film where the male romance partner is greatly taking over the woman's boundaries and her finding herself. It stars Jennifer Lawrence and uh, one of my acting mentors is featured in this film. Whoa! Well, uh, that's Mother from 2017. Isn't that acting mentor also Swedish? Yes. So it's a big... Anana Ridvold. Shout out, Anana. It all connects. <laughs> it's time for... Da-da-da! Scaredy facts. For those of you who are just joining us for the first time, or for those of you who have joined us since our first Midsommar episode, and just like the story like I do, this is the part of the show where Kelly and I like to invite you into our relationship where in real life after we watch a horror film we snuggle up on the couch under the covers in our bed and we go on sites like IMDB and other movie trivia sites to um, remind ourselves that that was just a movie and everything is okay let's find out some hot tips of uh, and goss about the director and whatnot. so uh, Kelly did these lovely scary facts yeah so starting with the budget uh, it was an estimated nine million dollars Uh, And that was just because they had to kill uh, two actors. So they had to pay for the funeral rites and everything. (laughs) They only killed two of them for real? Wow. Yeah, because they were the ones that were shown on screen. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. Uh, The opening weekend in the States was 6.5 million. Wow. And the cumulative worldwide gross was $47.9 million. That's wild. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Honestly, though. Was this before Hereditary or after? Uh, after? It was after, yeah. I would assume it would have made more opening weekend. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. So my first fact is that according to Ari Aster, Pele was the villager who bludgeoned Josh to death with the hammer after he was caught taking the pictures of the book. Oh. But I don't think Pele was the one wearing the mark skin. I am curious who that was. Yeah. Because like they, the Josh gets distracted by the creepy mark skin. And then gets hit in the back of the head by somebody else. Yes. So I wonder who that was. Maybe. I don't know. It could have been the child that like is the, the all oracle. seeing. Yeah. I imagine it was probably one of the elders. Hmm. Mm. Anyways, um, my next fact is despite being the main characters and with the exception of some cries and screams, neither Danny nor Christian speak in the last 25 minutes of the movie. Huh. So I imagine after she speaks to the woman that she's dancing with in faux Swedish. Yep. I think that's the last time that either of them speak. Well, she asks what's going on in there when she gets back. Uh, oh, and yeah, that's right. Hears, Sorry. I think that's the last that's moment. That's the last thing she but says. But still, 25 minutes. Wow. Yeah, that's quite a bit. 
Um, oh yeah, this is a good one. Um, so this is regarding the sex scene of Christian and Maya. Yeah. Uh, Christian was supposed to run away in the robe that he had entered in. Uh, Jack Rayner himself suggested that Christian run out completely nude to appear more vulnerable. Thus, he appears fully nude when trying to escape. Rayner was inspired by having recently watched The Last House on the Left. Uh, like many fil- films in the horror genre, female characters are disrobed, humiliated, and or assaulted before their demise. He felt it was due time that male characters be made to suffer similar indignities. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, not to get too real here, but there I've been like in kind of sticky sexual assault situations before. And if it, you do manage to get out, you don't put you you, you just grab your shit and run. Yeah. You don't put your clothes on and run. <laughs> you run. Yeah, it was very realistic. Yeah, and that's awesome that he uh, he himself as the actor connected those dots and yeah. wanted both to emulate other horror films but also have that real vulnerability there. Mm-hmm. It also does make him, especially the fact that he's naked while finding all of his dead friends. Yeah. Uh, very, Oof. very uh, vulnerable, I think is the right word. Connie, who is the um, one half of the British couple that died, her corpse at the end was being wheeled in a barrow into the shrine uh, with all the others. It appeared to be wet and bloated. Uh, this in- insinuates that the villagers drowned her in a nearby lake after they had killed Simon. Oh. Uh, this is further confirmed in the director's cut where a boy is almost sacrificed by drowning in a lake by the villagers while wearing a sacrificial robe, the same robe that Connie's corpse is wearing. Okay. So I didn't even know that there was a lake. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't even notice her corpse being all wet. And yeah. Stuff. I just noticed it was like really pale and gray. Yeah. But I guess that was probably I thought she from... was dead. <laughs> oh, right. Her, no, her hair totally was wet, but I thought it was like blood or something. Uh. Um, that makes total sense now. In a blink and you'll miss it. <gasps> I had to add that. It didn't actually say it. <laughs> Towards the end of the film, when Danny is lifted onto the pedestal to be carried to the dining table, uh, somebody pointed out that her sister's face is actually in the trees with an exhaust tube in her mouth. I don't uh, think I noticed that. Did no, you notice it's that? really hard. I looked at a picture. It's really hard to notice. Wow. Um, but there are so many instances of like of that stuff happening. that she's seeing. Yeah. That this was just the one that I didn't even think that it would have been in there. But that's uh, that's wow. really cool. Wow. And then it's moments later that she sees her mom, her sister, and her dad walking through the crowd. Happy. Yeah. All right. My next fact is uh, Mark displays an extreme phobia of ticks, which is actually based on Ari Aster's real life fear <laughs> of bugs and illness. Like Mark, Aster wore two pairs of socks over his jeans to ensure that he did not receive bug bites. All right. <laughs> Mosquitoes fucking love me. Uh, and whenever my family and I would go to my cottage, my dad and I would always be the ones that are swarmed with bugs. And then my my mom and other siblings are like, what? It's not that bad. I fucking hate bug bites, too. It's because your blood's so delicious. Mm, but I don't think I would wear two socks over my jeans. <laughs> I mean, if you gotta. Yeah. Especially because. No they're, shame. Yeah. They were walking through some pretty high grass. That's yeah. how you get Lyme disease. Next fact. When the film was released in Sweden, rather than eliciting fear in the audience, many people laughed. Many Swedish critics actually praised the film as an excellent black comedy. Wow. So that was what uh, I was talking about when people were laughing in the theaters. Yeah, that yeah. It uh, apparently was received as a black comedy in Sweden, which. That's so interesting. Well, it is them, like they're the, the culture that's being kind of twisted here. Yeah. So I could see that more. Wow, that's so funny. I didn't laugh at all. <laughs> I guess it's kind of like the equivalent of being pulled into like one of those New England, like old school towns or something yeah uh what are they called like heritage towns mm-hmm. heritage villages yeah, yeah. like upper canada village or and whatever. then having like what would otherwise be normal like christian activities or something to people but like over exaggerated yeah yeah um, true and then people getting sacrificed to um i don't know black philip <laughs> All right, my last one, because I don't know what kind of uh, hybrid car they drove into Helsingland. Damn it. But uh, free couples therapy was given away in a promotion of Midsummer's digital release. (laughs) Um, So they understood that it wasn't really a date movie and might like elicit some strange conversations with couples that watch it. So to promote the movie's release on digital platforms, a contest was held promoting to award the winning participants with three months of free couples counseling. Okay. Cool. Which is strange. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if watching this film uh, elicits a conversation with your partner, I think that's fucking important. And yeah. that means some bad shit's been going if, down. If you so, feel connected to Danny and her plight, 
while sitting next to your partner than um yeah 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 uh <laughs> <laughs> anyways, don't worry you get three free months of couples counseling i did watch um gone girl with a partner once and that was not a great movie to watch with uh somebody that you were dating i and saw that once and i was like oh clenching yeah <laughs> not not great to watch with i mean not even the like obvious scene like just their whole manipulation yeah, manipulative yeah. couple was uh not great Whew. And that means if that was your last one, do you have any sneaky ones? No, I, I, the problem with this was that so many of the trivia facts were just like, did you notice that the foreshadowing in this part of the movie meant this yeah. part of the movie? Or they say like skin the fool at the yeah. beginning and that's how Mark dies. Uh, yes, obviously. <laughs> like That's how a movie works when it has foreshadowing. It's yeah. not trivia. I wanted more like behind the scenes stuff of like the actors and how they work together. But Maybe too many we people could get the special edition of this movie. Yeah. I would buy this film. Yeah. Then we'll do a third revisit. I mean, I've already bought this film. We bought it. We watched it legally. It was, we watched it when it was on Netflix, probably. Yep. Yeah. Or Shudder. <laughs> I don't know. Whenever you're listening to this, it's probably, it was either on those platforms or, you know, we bought it on Amazon. I don't know. Final thoughts. Buy this movie on Amazon. No. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I was hoping that by the time I got to this point, I would have a final thought, but I feel like I said everything about this movie. It is one of those movies that uh, I hate saying this because it sounds so cheesy, but it is an instant classic. Like I, I watched this movie feeling like it has been out for 20 years yeah. and we've enjoyed this as a culture for that long. I don't think that's cheesy. Um, I felt the same way about Hereditary. A24 just makes some really great films. I mean, The Witch, we just watched that. That was yeah. great, too. They just all feel I've said this before, but if every one of them feels like an exposed nerve. And they're just like playing with it just the right way to make you Ooh. feel whatever you want. The Oh, my saucy. What? How? <laughs> Why is that one exposed? <laughs> that should probably not be exposed. And that's multiple nerves. My final thought is that I'm really glad that we got to revisit this film. It's even better the second time around. But um, I and I wanted to point out like the amount of foreshadowing in the film that you especially through the second time uh, can see so clearly the artwork. We didn't talk about the artwork at all, but there's two big like murals in this film that demonstrate uh, foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah. The whole film is on the first one. I mean, the whole film is on the cabin that they sleep in as well. Yeah. The whole wall has all of which makes sense because it's all rituals yeah. that they do. So, of course, they would have iconography of it. We just as viewers don't know that it's going to happen. Yeah. And then so it's just like this film really holds up. And I actually I'm very curious. I feel like it won't happen, but I would love a Midsommar too. I wouldn't, I want to see how Danny is doing in this new community. 90 years later, when it's a 110 year old Danny jumping from a cliff. Yeah. Well, that's been Midsommar, a movie about the worst trip ever or Vikings turning cottagecore. I couldn't decide which one I wanted to use, so you can pick both. <laughs> Next week, we'll be getting our St. Patty's Day on by watching Leprechaun from 1993. And remember, always scream responsibly. Ah! Thank you for listening to Drinking and Screaming. Drinking and Screaming is produced and edited by Charlene Bear. Our sound engineer and local designer is Kelly Wright. And it's hosted by, yep, you guessed it, Kelly Wright and Charlene Bear. For bonus episodes, Patreon poll voting privileges, and exclusive rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash drinkandscream. Want a shout out? Review us on Apple Podcasts and we'll read your review live on the show. For more information, check out our website, drinkingandscreaming.com.